What we were discussing previously was the idea that persons comprised of two independent personalities. One we call the nefesh of Bahamites and one we call the nefesh of Elokis, the animal soul and the godly soul. And the description of them as personalities is an accurate one because they each contain the full range of traits, functions that a person would need to exist. And they can exist independently and they have very different natures. These two personalities that we have inside of ourselves. There's something called the Nefesh Bahamis, which its fundamental nature is reactive. It responds to its, the, the source of its being is drawn from the physical world. That's why it's called the Nefesh Bahamis. It's an animal. And an animal is constantly dialoguing, relating to, gaining information from the world around it. It's instinctive. And it responds through instincts. It has, it's, it's programmed to respond to thoughts take shelter, hungry eat, under threat respond, flight or fight. That's the animal part of self, it's a reactive part. The component that the reactive part has, which perhaps an animal doesn't have, is it has an intellectual part as well, which can be extremely intelligent and advanced. But if within the mind of the personality of the Nefesh of Bahamis, is a mind which is ultimately only serves the animal side. So it can be an extremely, you can be an extremely brilliant animal as a human being. You can be evil, you can be evil and ingenious. You can, you can orchestrate the most well thought out, pre-planned, innovative crime. You can find the most deeply challenging intellectual ways of fooling people, misleading them, or perpetuating falsehood and shekhar in this world. Your intelligence isn't a function of good or bad, it depends what it's used for. So therefore, the intelligence, when it's harnessed for the Nefesh of Bahamis, becomes way more harmful than a stum animal. An animal is limited to the kind of damage he can cause, and the havoc he can wreak, whereas a person when given the shlita, the control of the Nefesh of Bahamis and his intellectual faculties, becomes absolutely petrifying. Yes, Nakamolcha. I want to say this because he says this in his German history. The Germans before the war, they were like very high cultured, uh, all, lots of literature, lots of music, all the main components come from Germany, all the main literature comes from Germany. And after, like German literature, you know, it was very cult- high cultured. Uh, uh, society in the times and still something like the Holocaust, something like the Second World War happened and I heard a good rush of the Lubavitcher he said that this learns, we learn from this even if you're high culture and even you know a lot of stuff if you don't learn this with the in mind to serve HaKadosh Baruch and with a high purpose you can be, become like an animal. In other words to paraphrase what you're saying it's not that the Holocaust occurred in Germany it's that the Holocaust could only have occurred in Germany. They were the people who were sophisticated enough, if you think about it, it's an irony that the two people that actually innovated Zyklon B gas were, one of them was a a Jew. Um, Fritz, Fritz Heber and another person called Bosch made these huge plants 
which they're able to produce n- liquid nitrogen from uh, from air, right? So, so it was like it was a mo- the most amazing innovation that they ammonium, right? And because of that, in nine, I think it was in eighteen ninety nine, there was a, the head of the the British the British Royal Academy of Science presented a speech that the world would be starved to death in the, in, the, in the next 50 years because they needed fertilizer to nourish the crops and they were running out there wasn't enough there wasn't, the population was too big for the fertilizer to be able to nourish the amount of fields required to sustain the crop and the crops were going the, the, the soil was too denourished to be able to produce enough crops to feed the world so there was a solid prediction that the world would basically come to an end largely massive parts of the population would die of starvation and then they discovered um, that they could use what's it called guana bird excrement bat droppings guano yeah and bird droppings to, to as a substitute fertilizer and it became like this massive trade there's a huge slave trade involved in it and there's a whole area in uh, in Brazil that they it was like this desert which had been had this like huge resources of of this excrement which was the most traded com- traded hot item but then this guy Fritz Haber and uh, what was his first name Bosch forgotten started to create a machine where they produced ammonia from air and they're cooling it down and, and they eventually succeeded and they had these massive massive plants which then produced unlimited amounts of this fertilizer and basically gave the world a new lease on life it's fascinating there's a great book if you want to read it it's called Alchemy of Air The Alchemy of Air written by a person called I forgot his name it's a great book and he do- like it's a fascinating discussion of how this Jewish genius and this German engineer make this whole whole this this whole plant and then ultimately the plant is is as Hitler becomes empowered the plant is used ultimately I don't know exactly the chemical as to produce Zyklon B gas so Zyklon B gas was produced through the ingenuity of a Jew to the irony is just shocking but nevertheless um you see that that the intellectual sophistication was a prerequisite for the Holocaust to occur. It wasn't only just incident; it had to have been there because there was no other country technologically advanced to kill so many Jews so efficiently in such a short amount of time. So that's that's absolute genius, but twisted in the wrong way and uh, destructive to the nth degree. So the Nefesh Bahamis has got its own faculties which can be extremely well thought out, planned, deep, insightful, and evil. Because the origin of the experience of the thought process in the Nefesh Lokis comes from the interaction within the world. It comes from essentially our Midas Ras, our bad traits, which then filter the world. They dialogue with the world and they feed the information into our head which is suitable for those Midas. If I am offended, I will destroy the person that offends me. If I see an object which is desirable, I will 
go and engineer a way to get that desire. I would like to, if I'd like to inflate myself, I'd have the ability to inflate myself. Or if I want to lie in bed, so it will be, for example, shall I wake up for shachris or not? So there's a part of the Nefesh Lokis which is called the Yisoyda Afar, the Atlas, the laziness. It won't say, it's bad enough if you say, no, I'm not waking up for shachris. Why? Because I'm too lazy. But the Nefesh Lokis, the Nefesh Brahmis has a brain. I won't say because I'm too lazy. To say, the reason why I'm not making up is I'm not holding there yet to wake up. <laughs> or I'm not waking up now because that, that, that it's going to ruin my day. In other words, what happens is it doesn't just get away with being animalistic. It creates a humanistic philosophy to my animalism. So I can like, buy it. I can buy into it. I've told you this, Marshall, many times before, have I not? But once upon a time, there was a <laughs> king that was passing through his forest and as he walked between the huge oak trees swaying gracefully in the wind the path in front of him dappled with sunlight punctuated with shadows, he came across a tree, big oak, with a target drawn upon it. And to his astonishment, in the center, in the bullseye, an arrow had been shot. Accurate marksman, said the king. Continued walking, a few more trees, and he came on his left-hand side this time, which was a birch tree, but there was also a target, and in the center, in the bullseye, there was a, an arrow shot. And this happened three, four, five times. And so he came to a clearing, and from behind the bushel stepped an archer, dressed all in green, a long bow in his hand, ready to unsheath another arrow, and threaded upon his bow until he saw the king. And then he bowed down in humble submission. The king said, Rise, O archer. Tell me, sir, this marksmanship, this accuracy, where did you train? Who taught you to shoot with such incredible precision that you never, ever, ever miss the target? With a twinkle in his eye, the, author, the, the archer replied, Your Majesty, I'm always guaranteed to get the bullseye. But why? said the king. Because, said the archer, before I draw the target, I shoot the arrow. And then I draw the target around it. First decide what I want, and then the philosophy comes and justifies it. Oh, oh yes, now it all makes sense. Oh yes, that's called the Nefesh Bahamis. The Nefesh Bahamis doesn't start off in the Seichel. The Seichel, the thinking, is secondary to the feeling, to the want, to the desire. So somehow, miraculously, it always comes out that the way I think is so aligned with what I want to do. That's called the Nefesh Bahamis. The Nefesh Bahamis is constructed from four basic elements which are a spectrum of a negative mechanism of interacting with the world. The first category is when because of our inflated because of our grasp of self that we feel that we take up so much space in this world, this brings to anger 
and to arrogance, which are two different elements of what's called the component. The analogy is called fire. Fire's got two attributes to it. It rises, arrogance, and it burns, anger. So a person sometimes by looking down on another, he's demonstrating a means of interaction which is fire-like, metaphorically speaking, in a negative sense of connecting to the world. Or he's burned up with anger when someone dares, dares to do something against his will. What were they thinking? Do they not realize that this is the way I like to be treated? The different kind of set of midas roys, bad midas, which come from the pursuit of sweetness. Mm pleasure which flow like water what the water does is water has the strange power to create the sweetness in fruits the luscious environment and we have this liquidy part of ourselves which is a desire pleasure seeker Mm. the savor the tastes of the foods, indulge in the pleasures of the flesh, the sweetness of life. And then we have something else, which is called this this power that blows inside of us, which has no basis, but it it sustains us. The desire to to make up stories, to speak words which have no meaning, to have, not arrogance, but this is a person, an arrogant person is a person that is talented and prides himself on his talents. You get a person, that's called, that's fire. Then you get something which is called air. person who prides himself on the talents he doesn't have. Self-inflated. If a person self-inflated, you just take the small pin of reality, you pierce his self-inflated balloon of ridiculous conception of being, and totally flattens him. But that's called hispirus in the lotion of the Balatanya, it's self-inflated self-glorification comes from nowhere same place as idle chatter senseless words that's another bad trait that a person has and finally we've got the modern favorite depression and laziness which comes from the earth metaphorically speaking of man it just sinks down into it doesn't do anything fire moves wind blows water flows and earth stagnates you just sit there like the soil depressed lethargic in the unable to move your body out of its state of trapped in the heavy quicksand those are the ways that the Nefesh Abhamis interacts with the world responds to the world in their ways. The way it responds to the comfort of a bed in the morning is afar through the dust. The way it responds to a discussion on trivial matters is through wind and schnitzel, water, and the person that dared to sit in my chair, Aish, fire. So it's got this, this whole, this whole like, kind of 
ingredients which make this not ready. What was the water one again? Desire for the sweetness in life. So that's what that's what that's what like the the nefesh abamis is made up of, and therefore it generates a whole range of thoughts. If you if you want to if you want to see how this manifests itself, so um, people involved in marketing understand the nefesh abamis better than anyone. They will take those koiches and they will use them to sell their product. So what you have is, how can you possibly get all four, ash, fire, water, wind, air, and offer into one picture, into one scene? It's quite simple. That's what you do. A cushioned deck chair. What? A cushioned decked deck chair. It's a long, relaxing chair oh, which okay. has cushions on it, comfortable to the nth degree. Okay. Attached to it <laughs> is a remote control that you can switch the channels on the mm. screen that's suspended between the palm trees on this idyllic beach where you lie. Another button you can summons the waiter to, pred- to bring you sumptuous treats and you can tell him exactly what to do. He's at your beck and call. So you've got Aish, you'll tell him what to do because you're the main man here. Mayim, as he brings you this wide array of delicious delicacies. Ruach, as you watch the Dvarim Batalim in front of you and share the ideas of recollecting some favorites from your good series which discusses some trivial, self-invented, destructive notions and offer as you lie there unable to move. So, paradise is called Nefesh Habahomis. The dark side. You can have all of them. You can have all four Klale Amidas in one Geschmacker hotel on the beach. You can get them all at once. It doesn't sound amazing. So when you say it sounds amazing, you have to know to who it sounds amazing and then think about, well, which personality am I manifesting? So it's really interesting. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great kind of reality call of who do we identify with more? What's, what's the definition of Ruach again? Sorry? What's the definition of Ruach again? The Ruach is, is literally or wind or air, right? And uh, what it does is it's, 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 it's something which blows without any substance. Tvarim Petalium Sheker Self-glorification which is not based on reality. So that's, 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 that's a part of us that we have to, we have to acknowledge. <coughs> You know, Jacob, you can't run away from it because it's part of you. Now, if you think that, that you're so holy that you don't have these things inside of you, so I'll just quote you an interesting lesson that Rebbe Rucham shares with us from last week's Pasha. Rebbe Rucham Levavit, the great Mashkech in the mirror. He says, you know, you're talking about the generation that received the Torah. who They were, I'm assuming pretty, pretty spiritually aware. Yeah. They, were, they were up there, they received prophecy, they went through the sea, and then they have the strangest 
request. What's their request? Their request is Zocharnes Adogash in Noichal Bimitraim. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt. Chinam for free. So they busy there in the midbar and they reminiscing about all the free fish they got. Now I don't know, it doesn't the positive doesn't go into graphic detail. Was it fried fish? Was it grilled salmon? Pashtas it was Nile perch. <laughs> Just based on the geographical location. Unless they went like, you know, got stuff from the Red Sea, maybe. But they remember the good old free fish they got. So Rashi also obvious Kasha, yeah? Who was giving them this free fish? The Egyptians. <laughs> the Egyptians, is Rashi. The Egyptians. What, they were dishing out free fish? Remember what the Egyptians said? No straw, buddy. They weren't giving them straw. And what, they were like these fish, free fish stands, fish and chips in like old papyrus? <laughs> So it says Rashi, clearly the word free is not referring to the fish. So it doesn't mean we ate the fish for free. It says Rashi, we reminisce about the days where we ate the fish and we were free of mitzvahs. Ah, geschmack. says Rabbi Rucham, hello, who are you talking about here? These are spiritually elevated people. What's the lesson the Torah is teaching me about this? Why is it saying these things? says Rabbi Rucham, a story by himself. Now remember who Rabbi Rucham was. Rabbi Rucham was no mortal as we would conceive of one. He came from a different generation of folk. Once there were people that walked the soil of this earth. We called them men. Yibirchem was one of them. Yibirchem once met by a bocha on Friday and seen again on Shabbos was not recognized because his face had a different kind of glow. A person watching Rabbi Rucham eat commented and said, Wow, it looks like he's feeding himself. He's not eating, he's feeding himself. Such was his control. So what did Rabbi Rucham say? Just to give a context to who he was. Rabbi Rucham, another small Rabbi Rucham story. Ravalbi who was the previous Musa leader of the generation. Many of you in Rabbi Wiener's share learn his safe Ali Shur. Rabbi Yochum was his Rebbe. Once Ravalbi was sitting at a, across the table when he first came to the Mir Shiva where Rabbi Yochum was a Mashkiach. And the Bocha facing him looked older, in his 30s maybe, said to Rabbi Yochum, said to Ravalbi, how old are you? Ravalbi said, I don't know, I'm to his 20s. And Ravalbi said, well, this is obviously the question that you ask people. He says, how old are you? So the person commented, he said, I'm three. So Kelly he wasn't three. He says, what do you mean? He said, three years ago I met Rebbe Ruchem. He said, Rebbe Ruchem wasn't mechanech. He didn't educate. He was mechaye mesim. He revived the dead. That's a Rebbe Ruchem. Right? That's what you want. That's what you want in a Rebbe, right? He revived you from the dead. So Rebbe Ruchem said, when I walk in the marketplace and I see a non-Jew entering into a bakery and buying a loaf of bread or a roll and sitting down on the side of the street or at a table and eating it, I think to myself, imagine what he could be doing. He could take that roll, could sit down in his house, 
wash his hands, dedicate them to this act of elevation. He could make kamoitsi, could eat it, he could binge. Ah! At the same time, I think, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous of him. I would just love to go into the bakery and just take a bread and eat it without all the hassles of brachas and benching. And Rebruchim said this. He says, you've got to know yourself. Torah is teaching me, know yourself. Know yourself. Don't kid yourself that you're so holy. Don't kid yourself that you're so low. Understand, you have two personalities. Two personalities. And one is evil, as evil can evil is evil. And the other one is Sadiq Gomu, pure as pure can be. And you have to become slowly but surely aware of these disparate personas, which, as we'll soon see, war for dominion over the small city we call of ourselves. So that's a bad midas. Now, this is really interesting, this presentation, because it makes a very clear stand on a point which I believe is often confused, and that is people speak about midas traits. And there's often the comment that's made that you know, there, there's, there's another word for traits in Hebrew which is a more accurate description of a trait the English word. It's called a tchuna quality. Tchunais. So why almost universally do we use the word midos which literally translated means measures. So there are those that say because no midah is good or bad. It's all about how much of it you have and in what measure and in what situation in what context. So Yes, sometimes anger is bad, but what happens if you want to teach a lesson to someone that when you're angry, it will have a much more powerful impact? Like, for example, someone repeatedly comes late for sheer, and when they walk in the door, you say, <laughs> Never do that again! So, so then that, that could have an impact, whereas if you don't show those face of anger, there may be a little bit more less committed. So anger is a good thing, but mostly anger is bad, or sometimes anger is bad, and arrogance, you have to be proud about what you do. If you're a washover, so then you just get tread on, trod on by everyone. So midas, what, they're not good or bad, they just depend on context. Good midas chesed, sometimes if a person has too much goodness, he lands up, you know, shooting himself in the foot, he can't cope, he, he, gives, he gives away too much of his money, he lands up impoverished. He gives away too much of his time, he lands up burnt out. So midas aren't good or bad, but you see the presentation that we've seen in the Balatani is there's such a thing called a bad midah. It comes from a bad place. It's a completely different presentation. I want you to understand the distinction over here. We're trying to clarify an insight into self. He says, there are certain midas which are bad. Laziness is bad. But, 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 but you need to rest sometimes. You know, if you've had a really hard time and you've really, it's great to go sit in the hammock and, and have a chill. No, 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 no. They have to discuss what that is. But the middle of Atos is bad. Of Gaivi is bad. Of Dwarim Patanim is bad. Sometimes you, sometimes you just need to shoot the breeze, man. Just don't get so intense. Just chill. Just talk about nothing. I just want to talk about nothing. I don't want to talk about... I want to talk about baseball. The Cubs. I want to talk, not about baseball, Dafka. I want to talk, Dafka talk about the Cubs. Why? Why? Because, because I'm, I like, I like, I like, I like, I'm, s- hey? How the, <laughs> how the Cubs doing this year? 
children? Okay. This is the year after 107 years of not winning the World Series. There's a chance. So I'm saying the Cubs of Mamush, this is something that's not stum. The future predicted the Cubs will win the Series this year. Okay, do you know what I'm saying? So I, I think I think some I think the truth is I mean I think we should actually pause now briefly just to talk about some of the miles of the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> their their model has to be just the worst, worst <laughs> So in other words, in terms of I, th- I think Ari is kind of looking for a compromise there. He's trying to speak about Hashkoch and the Cubs, Mazolus and the Cubs, which is like I think you you are crossing over out of Dwayne Battalion. Let's talk about like. Let's just talk about like recent cub history, and like there's like list some of the scores and some like you know those. Must be training a lot. Well, there's a the guy that got forced out of the baseball team. Uh, he, he, interfered, he interfered with the uh, what the ball. It's like in York. That the, the Cubs are the, 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 the AOCS. He's the stand for this. This is Khashoggi. <laughs> 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 And one of the like the players, one of the players would be able to go and catch it. The catch ball the was like in out. his glove. Or oh, someone Bartman. Yeah. Bart- and then Bartman, this guy, he he takes the he like, grabs the ball from the stands out, of the, out from of the stands out of the guy the, the cup player's hands as like a souvenir <laughs> because he like just like grabs the ball and so they call it. He's not out. They call it a foul. Well, yeah. They come back and because of this, they win the the other team wins the game ends up winning the series. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now that's called those are Dwayne Battalion Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin. That's Kashmaka Dwayne Battalion. I was outside Wrigley Field that day. You were there. I was outside the stadium waiting to celebrate the penance. Oh, should we just? just <laughs> oh no! Oh, no! I'm frustrating! Oh no! He was waiting there. He was at Wrigley Stadium. Way to celebrate! It's more dangerous for this man to walk through the streets of Chicago than for us to just like walk through like straight through East Jerusalem. We could walk through East Jerusalem singing, This land is my land, this land is your land, this land is made for both of you, with an Israeli flag wrapped around us during Ramadan, and it would be safer than this guy walking through the streets of Chicago. sports are very dangerous. I was at a, at a Bulls. Here we go. <laughs> Open it up. Floodgate. Foreign Battalion. Go ahead. Well, there's a call every day. No, it's a Bulls Sixers game. And so the Bulls won. And, after, and so we got on the subway. The subway next to us, there were like two Bulls fans shot. Because, shot. Yeah. They were shot because the Bulls, because they were Bulls, Bulls fans. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, a Q of Missa. Did you even dismiss class? 